Hello and welcome back to Lounge with Books. I'm Sophie. And I'm Claire. And we are two friends keeping in touch through the power of books. And me and Claire have our own book club. And we are currently reading Disorientation by Elaine Shea Chow. And we have read up to page 119, which is part two of the book. And it is... I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this read. I think... For me, this book has been such a surprise because I had no thoughts going into it. I had no expectation of what sort of book it was going to be. And the the writing style is just so fluid and funny. Mm. And I'm really enjoying the journey that this character is going through and how the writer is dealing with such difficult topics in such a conversational way that even as the reader, you don't realise the conversations that you're almost stumbling into until you're like, oh, wait, this is actually a really deep topic and I can't believe, you know, it sprung upon us so quickly. Yeah. And I just, I'm loving the humour and and the characters and just everything, really. So if you aren't currently reading Disorientation along with us, you should be. Go pick this mm. book up from your library. <laughs> it is hilarious. It's funny. And uh, yeah, hopefully me and Claire could sell you on it. And for those that are reading with us, obviously enjoy as me and Claire discuss our thoughts on these pages. What are your thoughts, Claire? Do you feel similar way? Well, just before we we came on to our podcast, we were just having a little chat about it. And there are some quite emotional bits. And the the one part that stuck out for me is when she was talking about her school days. And she she was obsessed with being with these, I think there was three girls. And basically, not just those girls, but also other children around just were quite mean to her all the time and said mean things, you know, about her Asian culture. And uh, it was quite emotional, I think, listening to that. But she wanted to be like them. And so she tried to dress like them. And when they made her up and, you know, she she liked looking like them and wanted to look like them and wasn't proud of her culture. And, and she used to laugh at herself in front of them so that she wouldn't feel so bad about that. And, you know... I think it's hard as well because when she's talking about her childhood days, she talks about how those girls confided in her like told her about their secrets and their lives and that all the things they said to her must have been in jest because they were friends and they they didn't mean it in that way and um you just think to yourself yeah but if they were your friends they wouldn't make fun of essentially who you are do you know like down to the fundamental ways of not just how you look but the Mm. history of where you come from and I think that was it was really hard to hear because even to this day I think she thinks that they were her friends and that there was nothing wrong with that. Well, yes, because she justifies it with the fact that when they used to text her or, or call her or whatever, they just say, oh, really love you and, you know, hope you're okay and, oh, you look great and and do little comments like that and then go and stab her in the back with other things, you know, other racist things about what she looks yeah. like. Yeah, it was, but it was kind of told in a bit of a funny way, though, as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, That's what uh, I mean. The book the book is so conversational. It takes you through this yeah. character's <laughs> life in such a way that you don't realise you're in these big topics until you get to a certain paragraph and the penny drops and you go, oh, my goodness. Like, the main character's not noticed and we've only just noticed ourselves and she's still oblivious. 
Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And I, I just think it's it's so clever, very clever way to talk about such a sensitive topic that's, you know. But this whole book is a powder keg, really, talking about Asian erasure or Asian, you know, racism in academia and just general life because the, the poet guy that she's studying... She followed the trail of this John Smith and Eunice was like, maybe John Smith funds the library. Maybe we should look at the the list of people that fund the library. And there was a hilarious scene to do with them stealing this list of people uh, that fund the library. And I just absolutely loved it. And to be fair, that fanfic that she's writing about those two people, I'm here for it. It's great. And it involved basically using a tampon, didn't it? A tampon. I think there was a couple of boxes. <laughs> Handy little things, aren't they? Really good for heists amongst other things. Yeah, but yeah, I loved that. And then they find John Smith, and they start kind of following him around to see how he knows um, this poet or how they were linked in the past. And I won't spoil it, but oh, there was mm. quite the bombshell. The pages that we ended on was were a bit of a cliffhanger. And I've been desperate to read on to be like, what is happening? Yeah, and like I said to you as well, that what she discovered, because obviously they went on a stakeout again. And, they, did, they did. And Ingrid was the one. I'm quite intrigued she's been practising how to break into houses as well. I know, Ingrid's just got <laughs> so many different parts of her personality. She's such a great character to yeah. spend time with. Well, anyway, she breaks into... Um, I'm not going to give too anything away. She breaks into John Smith's house and she discovers something, but doesn't tell Eunice about it. Mm, which was strange because Eunice has been with her 110% yes. on this journey. And every crazy thing that comes out of Ingrid's mouth, Eunice is like, let's do it. So yeah. I was shocked as well that she didn't share with her. I can only think she didn't share because she doesn't want to believe what yeah. she found out. Mm. Or she's worried Eunice won't believe her and will stop helping her. It's got to be one of the two. Because even though well, Eunice is like her best friend and always there for her, I don't think she thinks Eunice is always there for her. Well, for part of it, because she did the first stakeout, didn't she? And she was all wanting to be in with Ingrid. And then she said, oh, no, I've had enough now. I've got to concentrate on what I'm doing and mm. I'm just going to leave you to do it. And then she discovered something so Eunice came back on board and yeah and I don't know well we shall see but it's a very interesting discovery very interesting the secondary characters I feel like her and her boyfriend are going to break up oh because Mm. I think Ingrid's been looking at a certain someone's brother Alex, do you not see the chemistry between oh, those two? Oh, yes, there is a little bit of chemistry, I guess. I've not, I didn't really pick up on it much, but I, I, I feel like know. she needs someone with a bit of fire underneath yeah. them. Do you know? I think she enjoys the safety of her current partner, but I think she might during this whatever she discovers might, I don't know, move yeah, because to a different person. Alex is is sort of injecting little ideas, isn't he, of how they could do some some of the things. So yeah, maybe he's he Eunice's is, brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe he is going to become more of the story. Going back to Stephen, though, 
he does this job of translating these. <laughs> what a side <laughs> story. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the chapter or the part starts off with the reading about this translation that he's done and it's just hilarious. <laughs> There was a bit that I was just laughing out loud. I think it's the same bit you're thinking of when it was like in the book, the girl's like thinking about her past while she's doing a certain act and it was just absolutely hilarious. His side storyline, it does bring the humour, the entertainment. It definitely does. It it is quite funny, really. There was another bit in it is um, when she went to go and get her lucky rabbit's foot before they went on the stakeout she went home she went back to see her parents did they sound quite interesting it's almost you know clearly her childhood wasn't that great either with her parents the hoarding as well they've got a hoarding issue yes oh she keeps they keep everything don't they absolutely Mm. everything and they've even you know gone into her bedroom and and there's just bags and boxes just full of stuff isn't there and the mum clearly can't relax when she's in the house she's always wanting to give her food and stuff so she looks like she's being really caring but also she's just a little bit over the top there's yeah it sounds like she didn't really look after her no it looked like she did but she didn't care for her I guess that's the difference she looked after her but she didn't care for her yeah yeah exactly and then Vivian Vaux just out there she's not really been up to much she's floating about being annoying but she's not added anything yeah. to the story so far not yet no no she hasn't I, I don't know where yeah because we thought she was going to be more involved in the story but mm. she's not coming. I mean back all we found story. out is that she's got a girlfriend yeah that's it that's all we found out about Vivian yeah there was a funny bit where she finds out that she's got a girlfriend and then Ingrid's talking to Eunice and she's like, Vivian's a lesbian. And Eunice didn't seem surprised and instead said, oh, that explains why she's so cool. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, do I don't have those that. vibes. Why don't I have Vivian Vaux vibes? Um, oh, so I, that think you're, me laugh. I think you're pretty cool, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, I'll take it. Oh dear, yeah, very, very funny. I have, in my notes that I've been taking, I do have some laughing faces at a few things. I'm I'm hoping I can find it if I can. It's the one where she goes back to see Darlene, the private investigator. She describes her as turned out to be a middle-aged woman with stiff blonde hair and dark roots. Her beakish nose complemented her mauve suit skirt combo, boxy with shoulder pads. She ushered Ingrid into her office and shut the door. Inside the air spat of patchouli. So lovely to meet you in person. Likewise, Miss Woods. Ingrid struggled to make eye contact with her before realising she had a lazy eye and then anxiously deliberated over looking onto one eye, but which, or darting her gaze back and forth between both, she opted for the latter. (laughs) she's such an awkward character yeah you could just imagine it though can't you that happening and then um i like this bit as well i think this is when she's still with darlene and she goes um the last thing she wanted to do was thank this woman but she said thank you before slumping towards her car what an utter fool she had been 
she had withdrawn money from her savings account to be harassed by a conspiracy theorist and cheated by a woman stranded in 1985. I love that as well, yeah. Because <laughs> Darlene did sound like she was stuck in the time period. Yes. <laughs> I just, as you can probably tell, listeners, me and Claire are very much enjoying ourselves with this book. Like I say, it's entertaining. The main plot is gripping, so that pulls you forward through the narrative. But the side, I would would call them side almost narratives, like her boyfriend and his translation, Eunice and her brother, Vivian. The private investigator. Yeah, (laughs) and I just... I really, really, really enjoy it. So with that in mind, I think, Claire, that we should read up to part three. Yes. Which is the spring quarter. Yeah. And that is takes us to page 181, which is a similar amount of pages that we did this week, about 70 or so. Because I don't know about you, but I read, I literally, after the podcast, I like read yeah. most of this tonight and then I have to wait for ages yeah it's it's I like to get on with it as well it it is good story very 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 good story yeah so going on to what we've been reading next well I finished my audio book well I say I finished I've got five minutes left but I don't think he's going to ruin the ending in five minutes I hope next week I'll change my status I'm like (laughs) terrible book the ending was awful but no so I've been listening to The Four Seasons in Japan by Nick Bradley and I've I'm, I've almost finished this so I will review it today. And I will say this book was a lovely, sweet, reflective read that I just thoroughly enjoyed. There's not, there's not a crazy overarching plot. This book is just about characters and how characters relate to other characters and the lessons that we learn through life experience. And I think... The setting and the emotions and the connections between all the characters make this book very special. So I would say it's a very, it's a nice cosy read to kind of just listen to. I mean, the narrator does an amazing job of narrating this book. I really enjoyed listening to it. And for anybody that wants to read it, the cover is gorgeous. So it looks nice on the shelf as well. So I would say... This is probably an overdue for me. I was going to go Renew, but I do think that it's such a lovely book and I've enjoyed every moment listening to it. So I think that's why I'd put it into overdue. Even though it wasn't anything that broke the mould or did anything crazily different, I just think it was so unique for how calming and lovely it was. Oh, So yeah, Four Seasons in Japan... Nick Bradley, definitely an overdue. I did listen to the audiobook, so I would highly recommend listening to it as well. Oh, wow, an overdue. Yeah. I, I've really enjoyed it, Claire. It was so soothing. You would probably like it, actually, yourself. I probably would, if it's a soothing book. But mind you, the book I've just finished, um, Aria's Travelling Bookshop, um, I'm giving that a, I'll give that a renew. I would say that's been a very cosy read. Nothing really bad happened in it. It had really cuddly, lovely characters. Um, It was a nice storyline. The fact she had a camper van with books in it. Hey, everybody's little dream, (laughs) eh? It was just a cuddle in a book, I think. So um, I give it a a renew. That's by Rebecca Raisin. And I've just started a new book, which I picked up in 
a shop. I, I go around, you know, when you have these, you, a lot of shops and places now have bookshelves full of books, don't they? Where they're like a pound a mm. book. And I picked up these two Lisa Jewell books. I've read Lisa Jewell before. She did Ralph's Party. Um, I've read that one. That was in the library when we were working there. Um, which was, was it? A, yeah, that was a bit more of a relationship one. This one is a bit more of a crime one. And it's called The Family Upstairs by Lisa Jewell. And basically, um, in a large house in London's fashionable Chelsea, a baby is awake in her cot, well-fed and cared for. She is happily waiting for someone to pick her up. In the kitchen lie three decomposing corpses. Close to them is a hastily scrawled, scrawled note. They've been dead for several days. So it doesn't actually start with that. It starts with the character who is the baby 25 years later. And she's Whoa. basically she's basically received this letter. And this letter is telling her that she's inherited the house that her parents died in. And she discovers who her parents are when she goes to the solicitors. And it's uh, what's happening in the story is uh, there's two other children involved and they disappeared on that same night. And the story is dropping back into different characters and they're obviously all involved in the story. Oh, you love that as well. Multiple narratives. Yes. Yeah. Quick chapters. So I think it's going to be good, but I've literally, I'm only a few pages in, but it's, it's a big book, but it's quite big writing. It's easy reading. You've gone from a cosy read to murder. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, so have I. Well, in this book, they are saying that the parents committed suicide. It was a suicide oh, pact. So whether it is or not, I don't know. But where did the other two children go? I mean, similar to you, I'm reading a Japanese thriller uh, by Seishi Yokomizu, The Honjin Murders. I haven't read very much of it, so I can't really tell you much about it, but... In the winter of 1937, the village of Okamura is abuzz with excitement over the forthcoming Ichi Yanagi wedding. But amid the gossip, there is also a worrying rumour. It seems a sinister masked man has been asking questions around the village. Then, on the night of the wedding, the Ichi Yanagi household are woken by a terrible scream, followed by the sound of eerie music. Death has come to Akamura, leaving no trace but a bloody samurai sword thrust into the pristine snow outside the house. Soon, amateur detective Koshi Kindashi is on the scene to investigate what will become a legendary murder case. But can this scruffy sleuth solve a seemingly impossible crime? Ooh. There's lots I of tricky words. I pronounce these names. <laughs> there are a lot of tricky words. And you know what? I do want to get better, but sometimes I feel like if you don't know Japanese, you don't know Japanese. I will, I will try. But yeah, we've both gone for murder books. Mm. We've gone for like nice, cosy reads to murder books. Yeah, murder, thriller, crimes. Yeah. It's going to be good. (laughs) So tune in next week because me and Claire will be telling you more about those crime books that we have been reading. We'll be able to tell you a bit more about what we think of them. And obviously, feel free to pick them up as well if they sound interesting from the blurbs. We will be reading to part three in Disorientation which is the spring quarter chapter, which is up to page 181. And as always, do follow us on our Instagram at Lounging With Books because we post lots of book-related content and we definitely repost lots of good book-related reels, which hopefully you find as entertaining as I do. Other than that, it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Mm-hmm.